Surrender in God's economy isn't waving a white flag in defeat. It's the means of claiming victory from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Stay tuned to learn the significance the role of surrender plays in the life of a disciple of Jesus. I'm picking up today where I left off at the end of the episode on teachability. I'm doing so because the subjects of teachability and surrender are closely connected. Let me show you what I mean. We become teachable when we want to receive and apply truth. When we choose to surrender our lives to Jesus, we move or progress from merely being teachable to actually yielding our lives in obedience to God's transformation process. If we're not open and yielded to understanding and obeying God's will, we will naturally default to following our own desires. Being teachable and being surrendered are both positions of openness, a yieldedness, if you will, toward God. These positions are continually important in the life of a believer who wants to grow in their faith because embracing and surrendering to God's perspective is counterintuitive to the world's way of thinking. For example, the world encourages self-promotion and self-fulfillment. It promotes self-preservation and sees surrender as a weak last resort. But God's perspective is completely opposite of the world's view. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's counterintuitive to our human nature to deny selfish desires, and we certainly prefer gaining over losing, don't we? Yet Jesus is saying that in order to experience eternal life in Him, we must be willing to accept His terms of losing our lives. The Apostle Paul, who had become a powerful, prestigious religious leader, was willing to surrender everything to follow Jesus. In Philippians 3, 7 and 8, he said this, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul describes his surrendered life in a different way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul made a conscious choice to give up his own pursuits for the sake of Christ by no longer recognizing his life as his own. That means that even though he continued to live in his physical body, Paul no longer allowed his human nature to have control. And Paul strongly encouraged fellow believers to live lives fully surrendered to Jesus. In Romans 12:1, he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's stop here. Why is Paul addressing believers? Shouldn't he be urging non-believers to surrender their lives to Jesus? These questions raise a good point. Is surrendering to Jesus for non-believers or for believers? 
Well, we know that a person is saved by placing faith alone in Christ alone. And genuine faith is based on belief in the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Which brings me to Romans 10.9. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This verse declares Jesus to be both Savior and Lord. We see this again in Acts 2.36. When Paul was speaking to the Jewish leaders, he said, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is Lord, which means that he is master, sovereign king, having supreme authority, and he is Savior, Messiah, Deliverer, our Redeemer. We don't make Jesus Lord and Savior. He is Lord and Savior. If you think about it, it's much easier to accept or receive Jesus as Savior than it is Lord, isn't it? I mean, accepting Jesus as our personal Savior costs us nothing and benefits us greatly. But accepting Jesus as Lord, that's going to come at a continual cost to us. To recognize that Jesus is Lord is to personally acknowledge and accept Jesus' authority by allowing Him to rule in our hearts and lives, requiring surrender. A person initially surrenders to Jesus by accepting His invitation for salvation. But developing a lifestyle that is a life yielded to Jesus doesn't come naturally. Learning to walk under the authority or lordship of Jesus Christ requires a daily, moment-by-moment intentional choice to deny self, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Sometimes a person professes Christ as Savior and Lord, but fails to actually put into practice by learning to walk in daily surrender to Him. And, as a result, they will also fail to experience spiritual growth. Which brings me back to Romans 12.1 where Paul said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul is urging fellow believers here, us, to recognize our proper response to God. I mean, out of His enormous love and mercy, God sacrificed His only Son for us. It's only proper, reasonable, Paul is saying, that we would surrender or sacrifice our lives to Christ by becoming living sacrifices. Now, a living sacrifice sounds like an oxymoron. I mean, how can something be put to death and also live? Paul used the term living sacrifice to show that we are each to become fully devoted to Jesus, living in every way, surrendered lives to Him while also sacrificing or putting to death our sinful nature by consistently relinquishing control to the Holy Spirit. Now look with me at Romans 12 too. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This verse tells us that the world has a pattern of doing things that is in direct opposition to God's will. It then presents us with two choices. We're either going to choose to become conformed to the pattern of this world, 
living and operating as the world does. Or we're going to choose to become transformed by learning and living according to God's will. These choices of either being influenced by the world or surrendering to God's will can create internal conflict within the life of a believer. Paul explains this friction, this internal tension, in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. This verse is a picture of the internal tension created by the Holy Spirit, longing to have full control of each heart and life, while at the same time, the flesh is asserting to have its way to satisfy its selfish desires. This internal tension is resolved when we give up or surrender our will, allowing Jesus to have His way. In order to live surrendered to the Lord Jesus, allowing His power to overrule our human nature, two things must become consistent habits in our lives. Number one, we must allow the Word of God to have authority. And two, we must give God's Spirit control. Simply put, a surrendered life will live under the authority of God's Word and the control of God's Spirit. We just read in Romans 12 too, that God's word is life transforming. Spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, takes place as we saturate ourselves in God's word and allow it to take hold in our minds and hearts. In Psalm 119.11, the writer said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist recognized that God uses his word to convict us of sin to guide and direct us towards His will, and to prompt and compel us to obey. As we continually surrender to the authority of God's Word, our lives are transformed to resemble His truth. We also want to develop the habit of inviting and allowing God's Spirit to have control. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Again, we see that a godly mindset is key to experiencing spiritual growth. We're also reminded that acknowledging Jesus as Savior without surrendering to His Lordship creates conflict. Because according to this verse, a person cannot live for both Christ and self. Attempting to live a life surrendered to Jesus while living for self is like trying to travel north and south at the same time. It's futile and results in chaos, confusion, frustration, and eventual defeat. Let's read on in Romans 8, 6-8. It says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. We clearly have two options. We will either allow our human nature to control our lives, or we'll surrender to the authority of God's Spirit, resulting in abundant life and peace. If we oppose God by living according to our sinful nature— we're actually choosing to block the Holy Spirit from controlling selfish desires 
It's that simple. Even though it takes practice to strive less in our own strength while yielding more to God's powerful word and spirit, surrender is the means to experiencing the victory and freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. So what does it look like on a practical level to surrender the moments of each day to Jesus? Well, the Bible gives us lots of examples of what a surrendered life looks like. Yet we each have to decide for ourselves what our response will be to each of God's instructions. Let's look at some of these examples together. And while we do so, I encourage you to invite the Lord Jesus to show you changes in your life that need to take place in order to become increasingly surrendered to Him. For example, a life surrendered to Jesus avoids allowing anything or anyone to take priority over their relationship with Him. Would others say that your relationship with Jesus is your number one priority? Throughout Scripture, God tells His people that He alone is to be the first priority in their lives. For example, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. In 2 Kings 17.35, God tells His people, Do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them, or sacrifice to them. Did you notice the words in that verse that represent a surrendered life? Worship, bow down, serve, sacrifice. God is warning his people not to allow anyone or anything to be elevated above him. We're to live fully surrendered lives only to him. Sometimes people, things, or activities can begin to consume a person's life without them even realizing it. Have you ever heard a person refer to themselves as a workaholic? I sometimes hear people say, my children are my life, or I live for my grandchildren. Do you know anyone who spends most of their waking hours on an electronic device? In 1 Corinthians 6.12, the Apostle Paul said, Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. You know, lots of things in life are not forbidden or unpermissible for Christ's followers. But even permissible things should not have such a place of importance in our lives that they dominate our time or affections or have a grip on our lives. Is there possibly anyone or anything taking priority over your relationship with Jesus? Or anything preventing you from growing in your relationship with Him? Another example of a surrendered life is a person who acknowledges Christ's Lordship through both words and actions. For a person who is truly surrendered, it's not just what they do, it's who they are. Since they're continually mindful of their position as a servant of Jesus, they consistently promote Christ rather than self. We see an example of this in 2 Corinthians 4-5. Paul is talking about Jesus' disciples here. He said, What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You see, these believers relinquished their lives of any authority. They didn't assert their own opinions or try to further their own agenda. They willingly allowed Christ to lead while they obediently followed. Does that describe your life? Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As you go about your day, 
Do you speak and work with Jesus in mind? Is it your goal for others to recognize Him as the master of your life and for Him to receive glory for those things you say and do? If not, I encourage you to look back on the conversations you had just yesterday, as well as the responsibilities and activities you were a part of. Then, prayerfully consider any temptations that prevented you from operating under the Lordship of Christ and the small, practical choices you could have made in order to more fully surrender to Him. Doing so will help you avoid future temptations and also prepare you to make better choices in the future. Which brings us to our next point. A surrendered life recognizes that everything belongs to God. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Do you recognize that everything that you appear to have actually belongs to God? Do you spend money and time like it belongs to Christ Jesus? In the Bible, there's a story about a real man named Job. Job was upright and he feared God. God had given Job many children, a large number of servants, and he also allowed Job to become very wealthy. One day, in one single day, All of Job's children were killed. He lost his means of wealth and most of his servants. Gone. The Bible records Job's response in the book of Job, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says this, At that time, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. What? Job's response to such loss was to worship? That's the response of a surrendered life. Job recognized that the same God who gives is the same God who takes away and is always worthy of our praise. If you haven't already, I encourage you to ask the Lord to show you if there is anything in your life that you treat as your own, that actually belongs to Him. Your children, your home, your money, your time, whatever God reveals to you, begin relinquishing or holding loosely those things in your life that truly belong to God. When we recognize that everything belongs to God, we should be particularly mindful that our lives belong to God, to do with as He pleases. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Are you mindful that your life belongs to God? Are you willing to go in any direction God may want you to go and do anything God may ask you to do? If we're not careful, we can easily draw lines in our lives, lines that distinguish those things we are willing and unwilling to do. It might sound like this, oh, I could never move away, or I would never consider leaving my job, or I don't plan on ever getting married. Could it be that perhaps you have drawn some lines in your life that reflect an unwillingness to allow the Lord to have his way? If so, praise God that you now recognize them. Just ask the Lord to forgive you for wanting to control this area of your life and invite him to have his way. That thought transitions us nicely into our next example. 
A person surrendered to Jesus relinquishes full control to Him. They trust God's promises rather than taking matters into their own hands. Would others say that describes you? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. That means that we shouldn't become swayed by life situations appearing to be in our control or be overwhelmed by things outside our control. Is it your habit to trust God's control in each situation? Or do you tend to decide for yourself what needs to be done? Do you immediately operate independently of God? Or do you seek His guidance? Each time we surrender our lives to God's authority, we acknowledge that He is in charge. If it's not already your practice, Begin today relinquishing full control to the Lord, trusting that His way is best. Then be encouraged by the promises found in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Although the word blessed appears early in this passage I just read, the blessing received from the Lord comes after a person's act of trust. Don't miss this. Surrendering your life to Christ is a daily act of trust. As we grow in trust and reliance on the Lord, God will be honored and people will see His transforming work in our lives. Another way to distinguish a life that is yielded to Jesus is by a person who lives selflessly for Him. They forfeit selfish interests and personal rights in order to pursue righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Philippians 2, 3-4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We surrender to Christ by voluntarily relinquishing any right to self-will in order to follow His will. Is it your habit to forfeit self-interest for the spiritual well-being of others? Are you willing to forego personal plans when God provides an opportunity for you to influence others for Him? Sometimes surrender requires forfeiting personal rights to pursue righteousness. 2 Timothy 2, 22-23 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Do you have a need to prove that you're right? Do you easily engage in an argument or become frustrated with people who don't agree with your perspective? 1 Corinthians 10.23 tells us that those things that are permissible to us may not benefit others. If we're not careful, the temptation to assert personal rights can lure us away from a position of operating under Christ's authority and could actually stumble others. Are you tempted to assert your rights regardless of how it may be perceived by others or how it may affect them? Living a surrendered life doesn't make a person naive. 
A Christ follower should be aware of all that's permissible to them, but they also recognize that others may be listening and watching. A life yielded to Christ will gladly forfeit personal rights in order to reflect Christ's righteousness to others. If you're easily tempted to impose your personal rights on others, will you consider relinquishing those to Jesus and practice walking in the freedom His righteousness provides? Please don't misunderstand. Of course we should stand for God's truth. But surrender is first and foremost an attitude of the heart. We should be motivated by a pure heart that desires to represent Christ well and influence others for Him. It's often in the unplanned, unexpected moments of the day that denying self becomes most challenging. And the enemy will often tempt us to consider the cost of personal surrender rather than the enormous blessings of it. If it's not already your habit, I encourage you each morning, before you even get out of bed, to ask the Lord to prepare your heart to be yielded and available to His kingdom service. Preparing yourself in advance will help you in becoming increasingly surrendered to Jesus throughout the moments of your day. I also encourage you to practice focusing on the blessings rather than the cost of living a life fully surrendered to Christ. I realize that I've asked you a lot of questions today for you to consider. Remember, the Lord wants to do a thorough rather than a shallow work in your life. So I encourage you to spend time with the Lord before moving on too quickly to the next episode. I also encourage you to study the application included with this episode. It will help you to practice yielding the details of your life to Jesus and is also a good tool to use in discipling others. Before we close, let's talk for a few moments about some additional tools to use when you're making disciples concerning the subject of surrender. First of all, it's valuable to help Christ followers understand that calling Jesus Lord and allowing Him to have authority in their life are two different things. In Luke 6, 46-49, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Explain to those you disciple that a surrendered life is an obedient life. In fact, regardless of the biblical truth being considered, obedience will always involve surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Those who allow God's Word and His Spirit to have control in their lives will grow in obedience, as well as security and confidence in Him. Those who fail to surrender to God's authority will have nothing to stand on or to cling to during the storms of life. Sometimes people are unaware of areas in their lives that they've failed to surrender or are hesitant to surrender to Jesus. What they may not realize is that by failing to surrender these to Christ, they risk yielding to the world and becoming subject to its authority. Help those you disciple to recognize that areas in their life that remain unsurrendered to the Lord not only stunt spiritual growth, but can also risk causing others to stumble who may follow their example. 
Praise God for you. You have the opportunity to show others the benefits of wholeheartedly following Christ. Teach those you disciple that surrendering to the Lordship of Christ Jesus is a moment-by-moment, day-in, day-out, intentional choice that keeps us in a close and growing relationship with Him. As we've learned, surrender is a moment-by-moment, intentional choice. As we increasingly lay down personal plans and agendas to follow God's will, His presence and power are revealed in our lives. On the other hand, if we fail to surrender to Christ's will, we will continually struggle in disobedience, confusion, and doubt. Is there any area of your life that you're striving to control rather than yielding it to Jesus? Is there anything keeping you from fully surrendering to Him? If so, won't you choose to lay it down in obedience to the Lordship of Christ? 